You're listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. From our studios come special guests and netball commentary. One of the pinnacles of netball is the, is the Commonwealth Games, and this year it's on the Gold Coast. There's already been one day of competition, and joining me in the studio is my co-host Luke Herbert to analyse what's gone on already and to preview what's going to happen for the rest for the next couple of days in what looks like an exciting tournament so far. G'day, Ben, and I'm just using some recently newly acquired equipment in this Kiwi Armada studio, and look... We've been away for a while, and I'd just like to acknowledge that to the listener, but, you know, we both had our, so what you might term, real lives get in the way of our, our Three Feet Radio schedule, and as much as I'd like to just host a show with you every week and interview guests, unfortunately, we both have other commitments. And just, just to get things moving here, Luke, we'll look at the New Zealand Silver Ferns in their first two games. They defeated Uganda 64-51 and Wales 70-44. I think that um, against um, against Uganda there, I, I'm sure they weren't expecting Uganda to be as competitive. Um, but we'll touch on the gap, the gap um, getting smaller in international netball a bit later. Yeah, and just before we get to that, the Australian Diamonds accounted for Northern Ireland 94 to 26, and they're playing Barbados tonight, Australian time. And but you're absolutely right there, Ben. And I honestly think that the Silver Ferns underestimated Uganda slightly. That's not to say they were in danger of losing the game, but I think it's all credit to Uganda for the improvement that team is making. One of the main, and one of the main architects of Uganda improving has been the shooter Peace Proskovia, who has been a who has been a dominant performer in, in the English Super League. Luke. Absolutely, Ben. And the other interesting thing is the Welsh team. They put in mm. a very good second quarter. They didn't put four good quarters of netball together, but I did watch. I managed to watch the Wales versus Silver Ferns game today. And while the the final score was a comfortable win to the Silver Ferns, the Silver Ferns really did enough to win the game in the third quarter, and that's about all I could say. While they will be keeping some of their cards up their sleeves until they play, you know, England and and perhaps Jamaica, they will nevertheless have to play these pool games. And the interesting thing is, where to now for a team like Uganda? They've clearly improved. And I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't mean to sound condescending or patronising, but Uganda's probably not going to have TV networks that'll bankroll international games in the domestic league. So what are your thoughts on that kind of problems or issues or good problems for international netball to have been? Uh, um, Like we've discussed before, Luke, um, a couple of years ago, the gap was huge. But the gap is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And to see teams at these major tournaments being so competitive, I mean, you might look at the score and go, gee, that's still a, a flogging there. It's a lot better than a couple of years ago when we would have predicted 50 goal, 50 goal margins when, say, the Diamonds or New Zealand were to play some of these teams. But can you see a team like Uganda um, having like what they have um, with some of the other um, teams within Europe playing in the English Super League, but a Ugandan-style team playing in the South African, um, is it called the Brutal Fruit Super League over there? Would that help at all? It would absolutely help, and you'd have to say the same thing for Malawi as well. Mm. Both of those national teams and their domestic teams would benefit from access to the South African sporting market, and the only thing that's going to hold South African netball back is any uh, domestic politics in South Africa, and we'll call it political instability for the sake of staying on topic within this studio and our, our show, but you've got the financial issue to overcome, which is unfortunate, but at least if I can come back to Wales just for a moment, I think they will want to tack on games against the Diamonds and the Silver Ferns, possibly South Africa, 
when the UK hosts the Quad Series. This would be a fairly low-cost approach for them to play those nations because they would not have travel costs involved of playing overseas. That's certainly one way for them to improve. And I think also um, the likes of the likes of a Scotland and Tetra could probably uh, appreciate that as well. And not just make it a quad series, but probably expand it and make it, make it like a five, six or seven or, or eight team competition, but like split it into two pools maybe. Yeah, there is a interesting possibilities that open up when you have countries like Uganda improve. I think while we don't talk about rugby or Super Rugby on this program, I think Super Rugby's ill-fated expansions into South America, adding extra teams in Australia and even into Japan is perhaps cautionary lesson than what happens if you don't get that right. If you simply put or prioritise expanding into new sporting markets over the viability of teams and factoring in uh, factors like travel then yeah you do run into trouble but could the quad series ever be expanded it's an interesting thought i mean even just if you could somehow you know come up with the money even you know, a uganda wales malawi series i think would be very good they'd be fairly evenly matched the nations too they most certainly would they most certainly would be and again it would increase that gap even further and just touching on the likes of uganda and wales again also um the uganda wales pool game um, you were saying off air, Luke, you reckon that'll be one of the pool games of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone knows that, you know, the Silver Ferns versus England is going to be a great game and that the finals will be great games. That's, it's pretty much a given, really. And But if you just want to look beyond that top five nations or four nations in the world, if you're looking for a pool game that's going to be closely matched with two improving sides, well, there you have it. You've got Uganda and Wales. And, you know, those nations, as you mentioned, man, they are closing the gap up with the, the top tier nations that we've come to associate with them dominating netball. And ultimately, this is very good. I mean, myself, I've been probably waiting close to 10 years for, you know, international netball to open up like this. So while we're pondering the best way forward for Uganda and Wales and other nations like them, these are very, very good problems to have, Ben. They are great problems to have, and it's something we've been harping on about for a long time. And it's also come down to the lack of support from the INF. But it appears now that, not necessarily the INF, but it looks like some of the some of the people in the more established netball nations have finally got, uh, finally been thinking. It's all well and good that we have sustained success, but our opponents are, are, are down the lower end of the scale, so to speak, and no disrespect intended. If we help them, that means they can get better too. Yeah, and it opens up new markets to netball in those countries. It does. It stops people like myself getting bored with the same nations playing each other all the time, a.k.a. Yeah. Australian Diamonds and Silver Ferns playing each other too many times each year. You know, it can help put a stop to that. But, you know, just, you know, moving along, because, you know, we could tackle the, the INF on air, but really, I don't think I've got anything new to add. They've just become so toothless, as you have said in the past, and we may come back to that on another show. But what is your predictions for the finals, Ben? And my predictions are, Luke, the Australian Diamonds to win gold, New Zealand Silver Ferns to win silver, and the bronze will go to England, with South Africa missing out due to a weekend team, including injuries to their key shooter, Lenise Pottinger. Yeah, I, I think the injuries perhaps are going to cost South Africa a tilt at the bronze medal, and that would have really, really made things interesting. But they've always got the next four-year cycle to build depth, and I'm sure more of their players are going to find their way to the Suncorp League and the ANZ Premiership. My prediction is... 
Australian diamonds, gold, England silver, and silver ferns, bronze. Now, I just think that if England don't pull out a you know a historic result this Commonwealth Games, what are they going to? I mean, they've got probably the stronger side they could have fielded, barring any injuries they incur at the Commonwealth Games. And they're catching the silver ferns. That, well, I wouldn't say they're weak. They're in a, a relative down period, just because the the Bico League, you know, the developmental pathways of Netball New Zealand have put in place have only been operating for two maybe coming up to the third season. So, you know, this is the time for England to strike, Ben. It most certainly is. It's a changing of the guard, almost, you can say. Look, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there who don't follow netball as probably passionately or as regularly as we do would be would be suggesting that you've got rocks in your head. Quite possibly. And if the Silver Ferns make the final and if they win gold, then I will have had rocks in my head, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> And I will also say I've been really enjoying Sue Gordian's uh, commentary. Hearing her with Kath Cox calling the Australian Diamonds versus Northern Ireland game last night was super. Not as not as funny as those two are when they called the used to call the ANZ Championship games, and then later the, now the Sun called Super Netball. But it's still good to hear them on air. And we've had Sue on the past. Sue was a guest uh, on this show in the past, Luke, and uh, Sue's always been pretty good value in my opinion. Yeah, and just before we go, I want to throw you under the bus, Ben, but in terms of the, the weaknesses of the teams, if the Silver Ferns have any weaknesses, it's perhaps in their midcourt. They haven't mm. quite found the right combinations and the players quite haven't quite developed to where they need to be. And maybe the defensive end is perhaps a little... And not underdone because the players have plenty of experience, but just their retirement of Anna Harrison and and just, they've lost a few of that sort of hard edge, perhaps for what they need. And I'm not quite sure what the weakness is for England. They've probably got the world's best mid court. It's just what happens on the day. I think it's just if they deliver on the day. And as we saw at the previous Commonwealth Games, there were some strange coaching decisions that undid that team. It were. So, what do you think, Ben? Do you see any weaknesses in the top sides? If anything, Luke, I would say the weakness for New Zealand would be the midcourt, the fact that Langman isn't playing, and I still think it's a farcical decision from Nepal New Zealand. There's still people that are talking about it now. I couldn't believe the, couldn't believe the decision in the first place, and I still can't believe it to this very day. Um, looking at the Australian team, the Diamonds, there's obviously a bit of a changing in the guard, but I must say, Luke, it's great to see uh, Laura Guides Laura Guides come back. You know my, uh, my love for Laura Guides, but that's for another day. I've got to remain diplomatic on this show. Yeah, and look, you could equally say that I'm so gutted that Storm Purvis wasn't able to make the Silver Fern squad. Ha ha, Ben. But <laughs> and at least one thing we should add before the listener jumps on top of us is Laura Langman did end up opting to take a break from that ball. So regardless of Netball New Zealand's decision, she wouldn't have been available with the Silver Ferns anyway. But nevertheless, you do have to wonder, you know, about the recriminations that will come if the Silver Ferns do not at least get silver. There certainly, there certainly will be some repercussions if the Silver Ferns don't get silver. I reckon we could see the uh, we could possibly see the New Zealand media having a bit of a field day, uh, like they always do if the Silver Ferns are underperforming. I think sometimes the media in New Zealand are a bit more hard on the Silver Ferns than what they are um, here in Australia. Sure, I've been I've been an accredited reporter um, on um you know and also work at Netball Australia. I've never been too scathing, but when I have been a little bit too scathing, people have said to me, um, oh. Ben, you can't say that, or you've got to be careful. But in New Zealand, I reckon if you were to say that in New Zealand, call, call for things like that in New Zealand, I think because the scrutiny and the popularity of the sport is a lot bigger, it would be a different story. Oh, and I think too that while it's possible to 
argue that the New Zealand media and its rugby coverage lives in a bubble. Now, mm. fa- most of the New Zealand sports media fail to take into account that they obsess over you know a sport that very few people care about in Australia. Um, at least in terms of netball, I think, yes, the popularity of the sport and the expectations on the Silver Ferns are in place. And, you know, perhaps it's easy to lose sight of those things and it's easy to lose sight of the stuff we've been talking about for years in terms of developmental pathways and the emergence or wanting the emergence of other countries like England to become stronger in Jamaica and now you can't have your cake and eat it too Ben is probably the best way to put it you know if the silver ferns do get bronze well we can't have it both ways we can't have you know a broader depth in international netball and still have the silver ferns fairly dominant it's not possible no it's not as we've said several times throughout the show Luke the gap is getting smaller, and that's what we have been harping on about for, I can't remember how many years we've been harping on about it for now, and we've spoken to various coaches and administrators, and they've sort of always always not spoken about it or sidestepped the issue a little bit. But I think now the reality is is, is that they've, they've been prepared now to assist with the development and development of these countries and the gap being closed. And before we go to Luke, I just wanted to say credit where it's due to my co-reporters at the netballscoop.com website. There's a team of them up there at the Gold Coast and I've been really enjoying all their all their articles, especially Jenny Sinclair. Jenny is uh, Perth-based, but she's made the trek across to the Gold Coast and her um, feature articles and her previews have been outstanding. And I'm looking forward to contributing to Netball scoop this year, although probably on a lesser level like I was last year uh, in some Suncorp Super Netball games. Thank you for your time in the studio, Ben. Thanks very much, Luke. Enjoy the rest of the Commonwealth Games. You've been listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. Tune in next time for more special guests and netball commentary on the 